Joy to the world, the Lord has come. I was thinking Christmas is about joy. I mean, when you, when you think about Christmas and you think about the holidays, if you were to describe your Christmas, what words come to mind? I mean, for some, I believe it's a time of, of wonder and amazement. But for many, I mean, if we're honest, it's a time of stress. Expectations are high. Anxiety and disappointment, even higher. Over uh, Thanksgiving weekend, our family was all in, and uh, we were watching uh, movies, and uh, we were watching Christmas Vacation. And uh, it's, it's one of our favorite Christmas movies. Okay, don't judge me, but uh, yeah. And uh, anyway, we were watching it, and uh, it, it kind of, the movie hits a chord with us. And, uh, you know, Clark Griswold, he's pursuing the perfect Christmas, as he calls it, uh, a good old-fashioned family Christmas. And uh, he's met with one mishap after another. And in fact, something as simple as uh, the perfect Christmas tree becomes this comedy of errors. And ultimately, uh, if you've watched the movie, they burn the tree up. Uh, You know, family starts arriving. Some of them were invited. Others were unexpected. And so the the family dynamics are kind of off the chain. And who can forget about the lights? I mean, there's lots of disappointment with the lights. And, And then you add a cat and a dog and a squirrel, and, you know, it's off the chain at that point. I mean, it's chaos, You got the big disappointment, you know, Clark expects a a work bonus, and it's reduced to membership, do you remember? Jelly of the Month Club. (laughs) Things get so bad, the in-laws pack pack up their bags, and they're going to sneak out in the middle of the night, and Clark uh, greets them at the door. He's not going to let them leave, and I love it. His, His wife goes... I think it's best if everybody went home before things get worse. And I love his response. I mean, it's one of those very funny, but it's also very poignant. He says, worse? How could anything get worse? Look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? (laughs) We're, We're in the Christmas season. Christmas is about two weeks away, and it is a time that many of us look forward to, but we have a hard time experiencing Christmas the way we want. I mean, we, we imagine Christmas as a time of togetherness and love and peace and joy, but for some reason, many times things don't quite sync up, do they? See, being in the Christmas season and being in the Christmas spirit, I think those are two different things. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to rethink Christmas. Today, we're going to be rethinking joy. There's this strange connection, I think, that we have between how we feel and our attitudes, our hearts, and our, and our outlook. And in fact, we talk a lot about moods in life. You know, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a bad mood. I'm just not in the mood. And so we got these, these moods. 
and they're a part of us. In fact, they're part of our spiritual life. I don't know if you've thought about that. Our, our moods many times dictate how we feel. A good mood, you might say, is joyful, it's grateful, it's, it's generous. A bad mood, it's negative, it's annoyed, it's stressed, it's sad, and, and so on. Moods are powerful. I mean, if, when you're in a good mood, the world looks better, doesn't it? The, the future seems brighter when you're in a good mood. When you're in a good mood, you're, you're happier. You're more energetic. You're more accepting. You're more agreeable. If you're in a good mood, even this message is better, isn't it? Because if you're not in a good mood, you're sitting there going, oh, great, he's talking about joy. I can't believe he's talking about joy. You've got to be kidding me, you know. See, our moods dictate. People, some people, I, I'm going to think how to say this nicely. Some people are always in a mood, if you know what I mean. And when I see them coming, I don't think good mood or bad mood anymore. I think bad mood or horrible mood. You know anyone like that? No point in, are you someone like that? See, moody people have fewer friends. They uh, have less intimacy in relationships. Moody people are, are less generous. They're more self-absorbed. And my point is that our moods spill into every area of our life, relationally, emotionally, vocationally, and spiritually. Spiritually, this connection, I think, is kind of uh, tricky to navigate. And sometimes I think we get confused and we think, if we're happy, well, then we're closer to God. And if we're not happy, then God's farther away from us. And I, I just want to say up front, that's not true. In fact, the, the Bible would say that the manifestation of God's Holy Spirit in your life, that it will produce things like love and joy and peace. And those are things that are mood-altering in our lives. You know, we recently talked about uh, how moods are kind of contagious, that they're highly contagious in life. And I noticed over Thanksgiving, everybody in the house, when everybody was in a good mood which isn't always the case. I mean, there were nine of us together for several days. And um, the fact is, when, when my wife and my kids and my grandkids are, are in a good mood, it spills. It spills. It's a gift to me at that point. You know, it's a gift to each other. The fact is, everyone in the house experiences the atmosphere of a mood that someone has. And I was thinking if everybody at Faith Fellowship was in a good mood, it is noticed. It's noticed when we greet one another. If someone's visiting, they notice it. The fact is our, our kids, if they're being taught by people that are in a good mood, kids pick up on that stuff. You know, if we're being led and worshiped by people that are in a great mood, it spills into our life. If you're sitting next to somebody right now that's in a good mood, it makes a difference, doesn't it? If you want your life, including your moods, to be redeemed by God, I believe it requires us rethinking 
this whole thing about joy. You know, it means that you have to kind of relinquish your notion that life is about always doing things that put you in a good mood. See, I believe Jesus Christ came to this world for many reasons. He came to save us from our sins. He came to to die and to make a difference in our life. But he also came so that we could experience the abundant life. And what I want to do, I want to look at the first Christmas. I want to look at what happened when people met Jesus, when they found Jesus for the first time. And I want to focus on their moods a little bit. And we're going to do a little bit of assessment along the way and go, okay, the fact is, are, are they in a good mood or bad mood because Jesus is with them? So, so here we go. We'll start with the angels. This one's easy. The angels, they're, they're announcing the, the birth to the shepherds. They're out in a field. Scripture says, and suddenly they're were with the angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. They're singing this, by the way. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, among those who he found favor. I would say the angels were in a good mood, according to that. You know, they're, they're, they're talking to the shepherds. The shepherds are hearing this for, for the first time. They're out in the fields. And if you read the story, they race to Bethlehem. To, to where Jesus is. And after they found him, Scripture says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them, but told by the angels to them. The shepherds are in a good mood because of Jesus. They're excited. The magi, the, the wise men, when they found Jesus, the star, you remember, had been guiding them. And when they arrived, Scripture says this, when they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with what? Joy. Overwhelmed. The magi are in a really good mood. I mean, you have all these moods. In fact, if you back up in the story, I think perhaps one of the most remarkable impacts uh, on a mood, it takes place when uh, Mary, Mary's pregnant. And she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's also expecting a child. And if you know, Elizabeth's baby was John the Baptist. And Scripture says that Mary walked into the room, and Elizabeth's womb responds. The, the, to, to the unborn Christ child, Scripture says, For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. I mean, we got a little fetus doing a happy dance because Jesus is there. See, moods are powerful, and Jesus Christ changes them. I believe Jesus Christ is a powerful mood enhancer. You know, the fact is, not everybody is put in a good mood by Jesus. There, there's a king. His name's Herod, Herod the Great. He wants to be the greatest king. So any other thought of a king, well, that's considered a threat in his world. He hears about a king that's being born. He hears about Jesus. He wants him eliminated. In fact, he tells the Magi when they they come, he says, you know, let me know when you find Jesus because I want to go worship him also. But the Holy Spirit warns 
the Magi says, don't go back. He's lying. And when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave the order to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in the vicinity who were two years old and under. I mean, who does that? What kind of mood's Herod in? He's in an awful mood, a terrible mood. And when someone with power is in a bad mood, well, friends, you got to watch out. It can get very dangerous for a lot of people. In fact, we live in a world where that is still the case. I mean, you can take that one to the bank. People mistakenly allow their circumstances to dictate their moods. I hear it all the time. You know, I have good circumstances. Yeah, I'm making some money. You know, getting good grades. Someone praised me the other day. Everything's going so well, I'm in a good mood. That stuff puts you in a good mood. But then things turn. I have a problem. Someone criticizes. Things get a little negative, and all of a sudden, I'm in a bad mood because of that. And so what happens is people go through life moody. And they have all the troubles that moody people have. Herod, Herod's got a serious mood disorder. And it's destructive. And we know, we know from history, he was married 11 or 12 times. We don't know for sure because historians are kind of uh, baffled with, with uh, one of the names they think is a repeat. But he had one wife that he loved. We know that. Mariamne was that wife. He was convinced that she wanted his throne. He had her executed. And then he has several sons executed. And when his barber suggested that he don't execute his sons, guess what? Had him executed. On his deathbed, Herod, he realized nobody was going to mourn him. You know what he did? He had 70 of the most prominent people in Israel, in Jerusalem. He has them, has them put in prison. And he leaves orders that the day he dies, they're to all be executed. Because he wanted people to be crying in the street the day he died. See, I, you look at Herod and you go, okay, he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of power. He should have been the happiest guy in, in Israel. But he wasn't. I mean, this guy's miserable. In contrast, you got a young girl. She hardly has any money. She has little, if any, power. Her name's Mary. Mary is visited by an angel. The angel tells her that she's going to be miraculously pregnant. She has to face her fiancé and tell him this. She has to face her family. Nine months pregnant, she's got to take a trip all the way to Bethlehem because of some government census. She gives birth in a stable. But she sees shepherds and magi come and worship that child. And she hears stories about the stars and about the angels announcing the birth. And she realizes that this is the promised Savior. 
I, I think she must have been overwhelmed, a little bit confused. And yet, she had peace. Scripture says, but Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. There, there are two words there that I want you to pay attention to, treasured and pondered. To ponder something is to uh, think about it deeply, you know, to reflect, so to speak. Mary did a lot of that. She, she was looking at what was going on in her life, and she was comparing it to what she knew about Scripture. You know, she's talking to God uh, about it. She's trying to understand all of it. I think sometimes we hear that word ponder and we think about somebody like got herbal tea and kind of savoring the moment or whatever. But to ponder, that word, it's an Old Testament word. It's a word that was actually used when they talked about the prophets. You know, prophets would ponder. They, they would discern what God was up to in the world. And so they would ponder it. Well, she's pondering. And then she treasured. She treasured, which means that you find great value. You, you think about something and give it value. You savor it. You delight in it. You turn it over and over and over in your mind, in your heart. And as you do that, what happens is when you treasure, it moves you to worship. And as a general rule in life, your mood Listen to me. Your mood will reflect what you consistently ponder and treasure. And so I ask you, what do you, what do you ponder these days? What do you treasure in your mind? I mean, it could be your money. It could be your health. It could be your looks. It could be success. Or it could be God who loves you. God who's with you in Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do with the time remaining is I want to look at what I would call some uh, joy-inducing practices in your life that I believe will change your heart and absolutely change your mood, and not just for the Christmas season, although I'm going to challenge you to do it through the Christmas season, but I believe it pays in high dividends for your entire life if you do this. And here's the first one. When you get up in the morning, each morning, you start your day by asking God to set your mood for the day. See, how you wake up in the morning is key. How many of you are morning people? Come on. All right. How many of you hate morning people? Moods are uh, a curious thing. Sometimes we say when people are grumpy, we say, you must have gotten up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, which side is that? Believe it or not, uh, Dr. Uh, Neil Robertson, uh, he's uh, over a sleep disorder uh, clinic, and he's an expert on this. And he, he studied thousands of people over several years, and he found out there's actually a correct side of the bed. It's the left side. You know, if you get up on the left side, you, are, you have a 4 to 
more chance of being in a good mood. Which left? I mean, stage left as you're looking at the bed or as you're in the bed? I mean, I, I, I don't know. And apparently, see, I get up on the right side of the bed, which is the wrong side. And this is very confusing. I'm a dyslexic, and so I'm like, uh, you know, I'm lost. But here, here's the point. Right, left, I don't think it matters. But before you get out of bed... You say, God, set my mood today. You don't start your day by thinking about all the stuff you got to do. You don't think about all the problems that you got to deal with. No, you start your day with God and say, set my mood here. You don't wake up tomorrow and instead of the anxious thoughts, you start out and just say, okay, God, help me have a positive attitude today. Help me find joy in the day. Recognize that this day, it's a gift from God. It's full of opportunities, God-given opportunities. God is with you. God is for you. This day is in God's hands. God loves you. God has a plan. Do you believe that? Book of Lamentations. Chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new, what? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We start every day with fresh mercies in our lives. In other words, it's a clean slate tomorrow morning when you get up. It is a new day. And so you start that day and you say, God, set my mood today. I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't want to care what happened this week. Set my mood today. And it'll make a huge difference in your life. Second thing, treasure Jesus. And I know this is, it's almost hard to comprehend sometimes. We, we gather together every week. We, we talk about God. We, we sing about God. We worship we, we study about God, and then we go into automatic pilot through the week, and we live life without God. It blows my mind. How, how is that possible? You know, the vastness of God should captivate our minds on a regular basis. At, at the very least, it should make us wonder it should make us doubt things and wrestle with things. I, I think uh, you know, sometimes I, we look at the Christmas story and we go, well, you know, it was easy for people in that day to believe. You know, we're, we live in a modern day. You know, we, we know a lot more than they know. We, we're so advanced. It was easier for them to believe. Really? Do you think so? I mean, when the angel greets Mary comes to inform her that, that she's going to miraculously become pregnant, give birth to the Son of God. Scripture says Mary was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It, it moved her. She was like, whoa, no. What is this? Her, her immediate response wasn't, oh, yeah, I believe all this. I mean, her, her faith that she had grown up with really became a barrier she believed in one God, not a 
God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. She believed in one God. And she believed in a God that was never going to come and be flesh in this world. So this idea that the God that created the heavens and the earth was going to come to this world as a baby, I mean, that was staggering to her. In fact, you read, if you read the, the Christmas story, she has a lot of questions. She goes, how is this possible? I understand how, how babies are made. This makes no sense to me. I don't get it. She's struggling. Friends, I would rather see an active, thoughtful, kind of uh, honest skepticism where you, where you wrestle with your faith than a passive, mindless, drifting faith that so many people have. What, what does it say about your faith if you never really think about it, if you never really ponder it or treasure it? You know, we, we, we sing songs at Christmas. We, we read the Christmas story. It's full of mystery. It's amazing. It's miraculous. A God who, who came to this world out of love, full of grace and power. I mean, when you, when you read it, it, it should raise questions. You know, how is this possible? What kind of God is this? How can I know this God? Friends, we, we should worship God with our minds. We should ask questions. We should reflect on the Christmas story. We should ponder it and treasure it. Have you done that lately? Here's another thing. Cultivate, cultivate gratitude. We, we have this very strange pattern in our, most of us struggle with this. You know, someone uh, gives us something. You know, someone gives me something. And it surprises me. I'm really grateful for it. If that person, seven days in a row, gives me something, you would think I would be seven times more grateful. But I'm not. In fact, if it happens long enough... At some point, I will take it for granted. I will feel entitled. And if I don't get it, I feel like I got cheated. We do the same thing with God all the time. I mean, why don't we get up every single morning with a, a heart full of gratitude? You know, God, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for breath. Thank you for all the blessings. More than I could even begin to count with all that God has given us. And you know what's interesting? We still throw a fit when we don't get something we want. And it makes me want to ask, how much does God have to give you for you to feel gratitude? The Magi. I mean, these guys are astrologers. They're of a different faith even. And they saw the star, and they start piecing it together and studying, and they realize something extraordinary is happening. 
And they, they pack their bags and they set off on a journey to seek this new king. This journey probably took them years. And when they arrive finally, the gratitude just spills. I mean, just spills. It goes, on coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The magnitude of their gratitude led them to bow down and worship. They brought the things that they treasured. They they gave it out of gratitude. Friends, I want to stand before my God with a grateful heart on a regular basis. You know, thank you, God, for life. Thank you for this new day. Thank you for my family. Thank you for all the opportunities and to specifically begin naming them. Thank you that you love me so much. You sent your son to this world. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for sending Jesus. You know, God, what can I give? What can I do? How can I be more like you? I mean, friends, we should have attitudes with, that are full of gratitude. Here's another one. We should worship in the midst of our problems. I think we struggle worshiping God when we have problems in our lives. You know, that first Christmas, people had problems. Mary and Joseph had problems. People didn't believe their ridiculous story that they were telling about a miraculous conception. They were shunned by people. People gossiped about them. They, they were forced to take an unplanned trip, which was quite an ordeal when you're nine months pregnant and you've got to walk there. You know, years later, Jesus' brother, he'd write these words. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Joys in the midst of problems. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? I mean, anybody else have a hard time with this verse? You know, consider it pure joy, when you face trials. It's hard to wrap your mind around that sometimes. It's a struggle. This week I I was studying that that verse and I'm thinking, I got problems. And then this voice kind of nagging at me, you know, that inner, inner thought. I'm thinking, are you considering it joy? Are you considering it joy? And then it kind of hit me here. It's not, yay, I got problems. No, it's joy because God is working in the problems. It's joy because God will use those problems to change me, to grow me. It's joy because the problems do not separate me from God. It's joy because the problem does not ultimately have power in my life. It's joy because God will give strength and help us through that problem. Everybody here, everybody here will have problems. I promise you. You know why? It's Christmas. (laughs) There's problems. It bubbles to the surface this time of the year. Some of you will not have enough time. You will not have enough money. You will not have enough energy. You will not have enough patience. 
there will be someone that's not at the table this year. There will be someone at the table that you wish wasn't at the table. And yes, I just said that. (laughs) There will be problems. And I'm going to worship God anyway in the midst of the problems. Friends, when the problems come, consider it with joy, with joy. And here's the last thing, spread spread the word. There is something that I have noticed that when people actually are confronted with the reality of Jesus Christ and it becomes real and personal, they have to tell other people about it. It is a natural spill. It just happens. When, When the shepherds saw Jesus, The joy just spilled. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning that he had been, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what these shepherds said to them. You know, Luke, he records that when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, that an elderly prophetess, her name was Anna, she approached them. She saw them coming And it says, coming up to them at that very moment. In other words, she couldn't contain the joy. The joy is going to just erupt from her. She she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She She couldn't contain it. And what I have noticed is when people really experience Jesus and they come face to face and they have a relationship, they, they, it just changes everything and you want to keep him. But then you want to give him away. You know, I ask God regularly to just guide me, help me recognize when there are spiritual windows that give me opportunities to share Jesus. They're opportunities. They're God-given opportunities. And I would challenge you to just ask God to help you share the good news. There are people that you can touch that I'll never get an opportunity to touch. And there are people I can touch that you can't and so forth. Because we've got different spheres. You know, joy to the world, the Lord's come. You know, at Christmas... There's just something. People are are more open to God this time of the year. I don't know if it's the pressures of the holidays or what, but everything just kind of bubbles to the surface. And so some people are searching. People are hurting. It's more acute this time of year. You know, there are people that are in your sphere of influence that have kind of hit the wall. They're they're lost. They're they're confused trying to piece it together and friends they need Jesus Christ more than anything you know invite them to church you know there there is nobody in the River Bend area who's so smart so rich so successful so healthy you know so together that they do not need Jesus Christ there's no one I'll also tell you there's no one that God God doesn't love And I'll tell you what produces joy in heaven. Luke writes this. He says, in the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing. 
in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. There, there's somebody that you're thinking about right now. And God said, share it with them. You know, invite them. You know that invite just might produce joy in heaven? It'll produce joy in your life. It may produce joy in their heart. It may change a life. Jesus Christ is in the business of joy. Jesus Christ is connected to joy. Joy to the world. The Lord's come. We should be celebrating it this Christmas. You know, let, let, let's stand have a word of prayer. You know, some of you maybe have stuff going on in your life, maybe just need prayer. Our prayer teams will be down front. You don't, you don't have to share anything. You just come up and go pray for us. They'll, they'll pray for you. Um, but let's be people of joy, people of joy. Let, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we thank you that you sent your son to this world. God, this time of the year, we, uh, we kind of focus on that, but God, it is life-changing every day, every moment. And God, I pray that we would just be joy in this world, that people would see it, that they would go, I don't know what's different about them, but I want it. And God, I pray that... Uh, We just grab so tight that we'd make that relationship with you and that relationship with Jesus front and center that it changes the way we see life. God, help us to have joy, to share joy with those around us. God, we give you the praise and the glory this day and every day. God's people said, let's worship together.